people before you sit down and tell them they're looking great, sounding great. Welcome, it's great to have you all here this morning. If you're visiting with us, a very warm welcome. When we conclude in here as you leave, if you're visiting with us today, as you leave on the right-hand side, there's some tables there. Someone would love to tell you a little bit about who we are as a church, give you some information. I encourage you to make the most of that information, take some with you. Well, who's had a birthday or an anniversary in the last week? Annalise, have you had a birthday? Happy birthday. Anybody else? Annalise has had a birthday. Anybody, you had a birthday? Baby's had a birthday. Very good. And to be dedicated, aren't you? Fantastic. Very good. Yeah, you can have another one. Oh, John, you've had a birthday? John is over from the Philippines studying. Welcome to New Zealand. Great to have you here. Have a talk. Church, can we stand and declare God's blessing over these? There were no anniversaries today? No? None? Okay, here we go. Father, thank you for your family. We declare blessing, health, favour, prosperity and protection over them this year. Activate your love and goodness through each one in Jesus' name. Amen. How about giving them a big hand? Happy birthday. It's great. Well, there's a couple of things I need to bring to your attention today. That first is that October is CIA month, Church in Action. And um, so we've got a whole lot of things planned for October that we can all be involved in. A couple I will mention this morning is on the 16th of October. Um, That is a Sunday. We're having our muck-in Sunday. So if you arrive here in work clothes, rather than looking all lovely, but in work clothes, we'll only be here for a few minutes and then we're into the community to do some... um, We've got some schools that we're going to go into and tidy up. I think there's some... Uh, fences and different things we're doing. There's all sorts of things. So we're going to have fun there. The other one that I'd like you to make a note of is the light party on the 31st of October. So that's a Monday night. 31st is Halloween. So we come at that in the total opposite spirit. We do a light party for our community and there is always hundreds of children and adults and parents everywhere. That'll be a great night. So mark those two things in your calendar would be really good. The other thing that we're going to do this year, which we haven't done in the past, is the whole month of October, we're going to have 24-7 prayer for our city. You're a bit slow. I'm just going to try that again because I know you're just absorbing it. You're trying to work out a way to bail from the 2am session, weren't you? You're there. Owen's there. 2am every day. Owen. Owen. So we're going to have 24-7 prayer. Now, we're not going to gather together 24-7, because that would be a little bit impractical. You have got lives to lead. Um, but what we're going to do this morning is I'm going to pass this around and fill it in. Why don't you commit yourself to an hour a day or 
an hour for the week. This is the first week of October here. We'll get the second week out as time goes on. But let's have prayer going for our city 24-7. That'd be cool, I reckon. It'd be very cool. And so I'll pass. I'll start down here. Fill it in. You'll work out how to do it. We want, we've got your email address there because, um, you know, we will, we will track you down to make sure you're doing it. No, we won't really. But we're trying to send out some reminders. So um, if I start here, can you just make sure this doesn't stop anywhere? Can you make sure this gets around every person this morning? That would be really good. Shall I start with you, Tyra? Yeah, congratulations. That'd be really good. So just fill it out when it comes your way. That'd be great. Well, you look like you're eager this morning. It must have been that hour less in bed. The first, the nine o'clock, wasn't quite so enthusiastic. It was like, actually, under half of them turned up. <laughs> must have been a bit rough. That's all right. It's all good. Well, we go the great privilege this morning of a baby dedication. And we're going to dedicate Ezra Lane. So that's really exciting. So yeah, why don't you come? Bring as many of you as would like to come. We'll foot up here and overflow if we need to. Friends, family, life group, activate group. Great, we might have to overflow. That's awesome. Hey, buddy. You got left behind. <laughs> yeah, squeeze up, overflow that way, this way, whichever way you need to. It's all good. Wonderful. Jen, do you want to join me? I think you should give them a hand. What a great crew. Can you come and help me? That would be really, I haven't got enough hands. Oh, well done. There. I, I want to encourage you with a scripture from, there's two scriptures from Deuteronomy that I want to encourage you with. This one's probably my favourite around um, baby dedications particularly it's these commandments that I give you today are to be upon your hearts impress them on your children talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road when you lie down and when you get up I love that I love the fact that it's encouraging us to speak the truths of God into our family on all occasions wherever we are Deuteronomy 4 and 9 is, is fairly similar it says uh, watch out be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. Do not let these memories escape from your mind as long as you live and be sure to pass them on to your children and your grandchildren. What I really, really love about this one is um, be, never, sorry, be careful never to forget what you yourself have seen. And so taking the experiences of God that you yourselves of parents have had and passing them 
them onto your children and investing them into the lives of your children. It puts a bit of weight on parenting, really, doesn't it, in a godly manner. But you can do it. You can do it. And you're not on your own. You've got great support around you and around you. And um, this morning it is our greatest pleasure to stand with you and dedicate Ezra to, to God. Do you think he'll come to me? Shall we give it a shot? Would you like to stand with us and Lord this morning it's a great privilege to dedicate Ezra to you. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would rest on him, that you, he, you would rest on him every day of his life, that there would be a never there would never be a day that he does not know your presence. We ask that your hand would be on him, that you would guide him, that you would watch over him, and that you would bring him to a place in the future where he makes a decision to follow you as his Lord and Saviour. So Lord, we dedicate him to you today. Watch over this fine young man. And Lord, watch over his family, over his siblings, over mum and dad. I declare that they would have heavenly wisdom to raise their family. That Joe and Andrea, Father, would, would know what it is to receive d- divine insight into raising their family and that your hand would be on them. And I ask that their home would be a place of peace, that their home would be one that's called blessed, that their, their home is a place where you are evident, God, and that your hand would be on them every day of their lives. I ask that you would watch over this family, that you would keep them well, that you would keep them safe. And again, that they would know your presence every day. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Isn't he good? He's fantastic. Yeah. Do you want to pray as well? Yeah, God, I thank you for this beautiful family, and I thank you for your protection to be all around them, God. I thank you uh, that, as Sharon has already prayed, that they would know your peace in their home, God. I thank you uh, for the influence that Joe and Andrea have um, as parents, and, and God, I thank you that they can look to you every day of their lives for your wisdom poured out upon them, God, that they would be of great influence, not only in the lives of these children, and the, and the children would rise, and, the, and along with mum and dad, to be great influence uh, to those around them. God, I thank you for Ezra. Thank you for him, God. May he look to you every single day of his life, in Jesus' name. Yeah. I asked last night, um, I was just praying for you guys, and I asked for a few words of encouragement for Ezra, and I really felt that the Lord gave me a picture of a mountain for him. And I said, what is it with a mountain? And I really sensed that God was saying, you know, strong, visible, notable um, character, uh, something of strength. And so I don't really know Ezra to be able to comment on how he's developing, but, you know, I really believe God's placing those things on his life. So I want to encourage you as, as parents, enjoy. Yeah, I am. I also um, uh, got the picture of you know with Ezra being the youngest um, among other <laughs> siblings uh, that uh, he will not be one to be. Uh, you know, uh, you may look at the youngest as 
it sounds horrible, but overlooked, but that's not a nice word, but, but he will not be one to be overlooked. I see him like a, a David, where, uh, you know, David was spotted, and it's like, whoa, whoa, look at what God has placed upon this um, young man of God. And so that's what I see for Ezra. It's like, oh, look out, look out, because there's something strong um, within him. There, um, Yeah, watch watch and look because of what God has placed in him. How about giving them a great big hand? having flashbacks of my boys. Yeah. Well, kids, you can go. How's that? Have a great time. I know you're going to have a great time. Thank you, teachers. You're amazing. Well, this morning we're going to pray for Riss and for Kit because they're going to Brazil. You should be praying for us. You get to go to Brazil. Come on. Someone's getting a better deal here. Why don't you guys come? Tell us about what you're going to do. And then if you would like to gather around these two as we pray for them, I encourage you to come up and do that. Who's uh, speaking? Bom dia. That's good morning. And... um, a year ago we were at Manifest and I was watching videos of, um, from Randy Clark on his crusades of what's the healings and things that are happening in Brazil. And I'd seen them a few years ago um, at a healing conference that we'd been to of his and God said to me really clearly, it's time to start hearing the stories and it's start to, time to start being part of them. So um, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be part of Randy Clark's um, ministry team for Global Awakenings and um, this group, they run quite a few things with different themes. Some of them are missions. This one is called Activate. So we thought it was the right one to go on. And, <laughs> and it, um, yeah, we're part, it's basically all about activating our faith for healings. And um, that's what we're going to do. We're going to be part of the team. We're going to be playing in Portuguese, which has been a big mission in itself. Um, we've had pages and pages of phrases that we've had to learn. And um, initially we were overwhelmed by that, but God provided a lady in this church, Marcia, I don't know if she's here today, but that is from Brazil and she's been working with us. So it's um, been a real blessing for us. Um, But yeah, we appreciate all the prayers that we can have on this. If you'd like to come and gather around them, let's send them out with our blessing. And that's pretty cool. Activate, eh? I like that. Yeah. Your husband's going to survive? Oh, the kids will be fine. The kids will be fine. Hey? Yeah, that's right. KFC's going to take a thrashing, isn't it? Church, can we stand up? Let's bless these guys and pray God's protection over them. Father, I thank you for this incredible opportunity for Kit and Riss. And Lord, we declare your blessing over them as they go. We declare that uh, your favour will be on them. Lord, as they travel, keep them safe at all times. In Jesus' name. 
And Holy Spirit, I ask that you would anoint them for this time in front of them, that they would go and knowing your empowerment, knowing your presence, knowing your power in the situation, Lord, let their confidence be truly resting in you. I also pray for the families at home as they're away, that uh, this will be a great time for everyone. Lord, that you would bless their homes, their households back here in New Zealand, as well as blessing them in that place. And we thank you for the stretch that'll come. I thank you for what you're going to do through them. I thank you for what they're going to bring back into the life of our church here. And I would declare, Father, prophetically that something about activate over there will activate something here. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, thank you, God, for uh, great husbands to release these beautiful women. And I I thank you for your protection over them and the children uh, as the mums are away. God, may the kids behave amazingly. And may they uh, have incredible, uh, great bonding time between dad and the kids. Uh, God, and I thank you for protection over Kit and Riss. God, may they rest in you. May they, may they uh, totally um, fall, fall into you, God, uh, as they put their trust and their faith in you. May, they, uh, may this time be so exciting, partnering together with you. And I thank you, God, for the many, many miracles that they're going to see, God. And we give you praise and thanks for that. Amen. Ladies, I just see that chicken line getting moved again and again. <laughs> so that, that fearlessness, you're just going to face your fears and God's going to take you through them and you're going to bring that back. You know, more of that stepping out, stepping through and stepping over that chicken line multiple times with release of power. Amen. Awesome. Fantastic. Go with our blessing and our prayer and our encouragement and our enthusiasm. And we'll watch over the guys, kind of. That's great. Well, we're going to spend some more time worshipping Jesus this morning. And um, can I encourage you, you know, while we're praying about healing, that um, last Sunday morning during our 10.30 gathering, there was a young lady was healed from 12 years of chronic pain. Isn't that fantastic? The presence of God, the power of God is incredibly powerful. And I I don't know what need you've come in with this morning, but can I encourage you to fully focus, fully engage with Jesus this morning and allow Him to minister to you as you minister to Him. And, uh, you know, if there is sickness, we command it to go in Jesus' name. Where ideas are needed, I pray that, uh, and I declare that during our our time as we worship Him, ideas will come into your your mind that will bring release. And whatever you need, God is our supply. Yeah? Thanks, Dave. Let's stand, church. From Psalm 139, it says, For you created me. My inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. And we've had a baby dedication this morning, um, but I feel the Lord would speak to His church this morning, His body this morning. I knit you together. I put you together. I know 
your DNA. I know deeper than your DNA. I know what it's made out of. I know mysteries about you, my body, that you don't know about. I know your potential. And my desire is, I believe the Lord would say this morning, that my glory would be made manifest in you, that the world would see that, because I put that DNA into you. And for my glory, I, I did that. So let's come before him this morning and worship. That his presence would be here. Space is here for you. You don't have to hide behind your seats. Why don't you come and fill it up? Let's come on out. Let's worship our God this morning. Let's have a moment with him. The one who knows you intimately and deeply. The one that knows your relationships with everybody else. The one who is good and who wants to do fearful and wonderful works in you and through you. Yeah. Praise you, Lord. You will worship you, Lord. Jesus. Here and now. Here and now. I surrender. I am desperate for a moment with moment with you. I am lost. I am lost in your goodness. I'm surrounded. I am found in your love. Yeah. I'm found in your love. Here in your prison. to trust you. 
we honor you. Lord God, you are great and mighty. Lord, you are close to us and yet you are over all. Thank you, Lord. We praise you, Lord, and we glorify it only your name, Lord. Bless you, Lord. To joy in the song, sung long before our life, to raise our voice along heaven and earth alive. Praise you, Lord. We have seen your faithfulness.
Can I encourage you to really open yourself before God now? You may like to lift your hands or I don't know, whatever you want to do. But if you've got sickness in your body, let it go now. Just let it go. Let Him take it. If you've got problems that you can't solve, let them go to the one that we enthroned with a thousand generations. Just let them go. If you need some answers, start to listen. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Rest on every person. Healing in the name of Jesus. Chains. Confinement's broken in the name of Jesus. Release solutions from heaven in the name of Jesus. Release peace in Jesus' name. Mercy, grace, Pastor Wayne Swift with us from Melbourne, Australia. Wayne leads the Apostolic Church Movement in Australia, and he, um, we have a close connection with the with the um, Australian Church, Acts Churches New Zealand, and the Apostolic Church Movement in Australia. We have a very good relationship. So Wayne is part of our national leadership team here in New Zealand, and he is also our overseeing minister here at Activate in Hamilton. It means he keeps an eye on us, make sure that you know the elders are behaving themselves. 
and me. And um, so it's great to have him with us this weekend. And I just so enjoy the, the journey of life that we're on. And, and Wayne and Ruth have become great friends with Jan and I and, and love the journey we're on with them. And this morning, you know, he'll say whatever he says and he'll encourage us and he'll challenge us. But I really want to encourage you to hear the voice of God through what he's saying this morning and embrace the challenge or whatever comes your way. But it's awesome to have you with us, Wayne. Absolutely fantastic. Can we give him a massive big hand as he comes, please? Well, good morning. Thank you for having us here. Uh, I said it before, I'll say it again. It's a, it's a privilege to be in this place and to be given the responsibility of standing and preaching the Word of God. It's something I take very seriously. Um, you know, when we come to church, we do two things. We usually come to worship. We also come to hear from God. Um, so it's give and take. Some people mistake that. They think, uh, they think it's all take. It's not supposed to be this way. When we worship God, it's supposed to be us giving to God. Now, there is this experience we have in moments of worship where it seems we're recipients of God's touch and His presence and... Um, and there's no doubt about that, but it starts with a contribution. And I want to encourage you, you know, I'm not in any way commenting on your worship this morning, but I am um, leading towards something. But when we worship, it, 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 we must be making a contribution to God. It, it's something that comes from our heart. Um, it, it's, it's a place of humility it, it, it's a place of bowing down. It's a place of connecting with God. And as we do that, we are privileged with His presence. Whether we feel His presence or not is irrelevant. Uh, too many people gauge worship based on whether or not they have a feeling like He's there. That's not worship. That's, that's, uh, that's your, your uh, feelings of being entertained. You say, oh, well, I was entertained this morning because I felt God's presence. No, that's not the point of worship. Worship is a contribution you make. It's something you give. And uh, when you do that, God does bless us with his presence. But for me, in my Christian experience, the majority of the change that has been initiated in my life has been as a result of times where I found myself in God's presence, but it is... And it is being brought about because I've come with a contribution to make. I'm talking about a financial contribution, but a contribution from my heart. And I'm also not necessarily speaking about just in a corporate gathering, but in, I would say the key changes that have been made in my life have been in my private times of worship and prayer and encounter. Every time we're in an environment where we worship, there's an opportunity for us to encounter God and for serious change to take place. The other reason we come to church is to hear the Word of God. And, um, you know, that means a whole range of different things. And sometimes I think we take that too lightly. You know, when God speaks to us, something happens. And um, the challenge we have is, is we, we assume that, when the, that the obligation uh, for us to hear God is on the person bringing the Word. It's not. It's on the recipients. You can hear something if you want to hear it, and you can not hear it if you don't want to hear it. And again, you know, when we, when we go to the movies and have popcorn, which I think everyone who goes to the movies should do, 
Uh, uh, apparently, apparently, somebody who doesn't like popcorn complained about those who eat popcorn in the movies. Well, my attitude is, if you go into the movies, you should expect people to eat popcorn. There's no other reason to go. It sort of it gets you through the dreariness of whatever it is you might be watching. But but when we come to church um, and we hear the word spoken. Uh, there should be a process of us actually hearing and then looking to apply. Uh, there's no point listening. This is not entertainment. Now, I'm not against entertainment. I love being entertained. But the, the Word of God is not about us being entertained. It's actually about us being um, engaged. It's about us being challenged. Uh, and I'm not, not suggesting every time you hear something for the first time and it resonates with you that you will be changed, but the outcome of the Word of God is transformation. Transformation in your life and in the lives of those around about you. And, um, and so I encourage you, you know, it's give and take. Um, it's, when we worship, it's giving. And when we're hearing the Word of God, it's taking. Obviously, what I mean by that is, is us taking what's being said and applying it to our lives, whether you like it or not. So, obviously, like a terrible message this morning, and just trying to justify the terrible message. I mean, that seriously, though, you can take something from whoever communicates if you're willing to hear. It doesn't mean that they're good communicators. It doesn't mean, mean necessarily that, uh, that, that, they've, that they're uh, speaking well. But if you're willing to listen, you can take something from them, even if you've learned what not to do. And I want to encourage you, there is an opportunity for you to learn every moment that you're awake. Your eyes, your ears give you the opportunity to learn. And your life can grow as a result of your observation. Uh, for me, many years ago, I became a Christian in 1979. That was a long time ago. I was still a teenager then. And, um, and I remember one of the things that we used to do, some young guys, and, and I actually initiated it, but we would go to this abandoned house that was in, a, in some paddocks, you know, in some, um, it was in suburban Melbourne. It was in a, an area that was full of paddocks. It was owned by the, uh, the Board of, Work, Board of Works, which is like a water authority. And this house was abandoned. And we would go there and probably every Tuesday night for about, I think it was about 18 months we did this before we got caught out. And um, we're told never to go back to the house again and a whole range of things. But what we'd do is we'd go in there. There's no power in the house. We'd go into this old house and, and we would stand or sit in this house and... Um, you know, four, five, six of us guys, and we would just stand and we would sing songs that we knew well, and it was, you know, Exalt the Lord Our God, and all of those old songs that we used to sing that were really simple to sing, and we would, the, the goal of us being there was simply this, to meet with God. And, and, we, would in, and we would bring other young guys along as well. We were just uh, new Christians, and we would just stand and we would sing, and we knew that if we did it long enough, even though we sounded terrible, because none of us were musicians, we, we would find God's presence, that somehow we'd experience His presence, and, and then we'd start to share with one another what God was doing in, a, in and amongst us. And then, as confidence built, we'd say, hey, listen, I feel God saying this to you. And, and, and something profound happened, and we were shaped by our experience or those moments with God. 
Um, I came to Christ at a time where we thought the world was going to end in 1984. George Orwell had written a book and, and lots of Christians also, I think it was the planetary lineup or something, and that was going to cause great catastrophe. Jesus would return and there wasn't far to look ahead, so you didn't need to plan much. It was great. Um, and I found as I, became a, uh, as I became a Christian and got involved with the church that there was always a catastrophe just around the corner. Um, and that Jesus was coming soon because this was going to happen and that was going to happen. And um, I, I mean, it hit fever pitch in 1999 because the year 2000, everybody knew that Jesus was going to return because all the computers would go uh, bang. And, you know, you, you, there were people filling their bathtubs with water because you wouldn't be able to get water anymore. I couldn't work that one out. But anyway... Uh, the, the shops were being emptied of tin food because people were storing up. It was amazing. And, and I would, I'm a fatalist probably. I thought, oh, well, if it happens, it happens. Who cares? <laughs> we did no planning. But I had so much fun stirring the people that were planning because they, they were seriously fearful. They, they thought everything was going to go right. It was, and I think the worst thing that happened was a guy who'd borrowed a videotape ended up with a, an overdue bill for 100 years. Apparently the computer that had you, you know, registered that videotape had malfunctioned and he had a, an overdue bill for a long time. Say all that to say this, you know, we, we or I grew in, a, in an era where there was lots of talk about Jesus returning and and you know, even just recently, the blood moons thing, I don't know if many of you, uh, I'm saying this carefully because some of you will still, I don't know where it's up to, whether it's still going to happen or it's going to, uh, but we had some people who were seriously worried about that and I remember one older lady came to me and she said, oh, the four blood moons, you know all about what's going to happen. I said, I don't really know. She gave me the book. I didn't, didn't, read, it, didn't read it, but it passed before I read the book. But she was really concerned and I said, listen, don't worry about it. She goes, but don't you know what it's going to... At the end of the day, if the world ends, I'm going to be with Christ. If Christ returns, I'm going to be with Christ. If there are four moons or five moons or ten moons or whatever happens, I don't know. But the same result, I've got to do my best for Christ here and now. And um, if I live or die, I'm going to see him. But when I see him, I'm going to see him as either saviour or judge. That's what's going to happen for me. You know, I'm conscious of the... Verses of scripture, you know, those who prophesied in his name. And he said, depart from me, I never knew you. I thought, well, that's scary, isn't it? I'm going to see Christ and you're going to see Christ one day and you'll see him either as saviour or judge. I prefer to see him as my saviour. I still know I am a sinner saved by grace. There is nothing that I can do, will do, will ever be able to do that will meet the standard required of me. Jesus is become the standard that was required he stood in my place um, and when it comes to perfection I'm a long way back down the line somewhere there but he stands in place of me and he can stand in place of you uh, a scarier thought is this your friends your neighbors your family one day whatever happens they'll stand before Christ as well just a few weeks ago, one of the guys in our church, Neville, he is a wealthy businessman and he, um, 
he said to me, listen, I'm going away the next week by myself. I, he goes away, he goes fishing, he spends time with God. He used to pastor a church. He said, I'm, I'm leaving Monday, I won't be back till Friday. I just, just want to let you know, we're good friends. He lets me know what's going on. He said, I just need to recalibrate some things because what happens is he's a workaholic and he, he, just, he just goes crazy with work. And um, every now and again, it's like God puts his finger on him and says, nah, you've got to get things sorted out and so he goes goes away and then life returns to normal for a while and then he gets crazy again and then he goes back and recalibrates that's just Neville and his style and so I knew that he was going away on Monday and um, I didn't know this though that his uh, his brother was a couple of hours away and it was a brother he an, an older brother that he deeply admired and um, I missed a call from Neville and then uh, later in the week I rang him and he, I said oh I thought you were away, what's going on? Because he normally wouldn't answer his phone. And he was down to preach on Sunday and I thought, oh, maybe, maybe it's not going to work for him or whatever. And I said, well, what's happening, Neville? He said, oh, you're right, I'm not sure if I'm going to be able to preach on Sunday. I said, T- are you okay? And he said, well, actually, on Monday I was on my way to go away and I found out my brother looks like he's going to die said, I've, um, I've spent every night overnight with my brother in hospital sitting by his bedside. He said, I did the night shift. His wife is doing the day shift. They would take turns. And, um, and so and, and he, he's, a, he's a, a, a great guy. But he would, he'd stay awake the whole night just making sure that everything was okay. And by this time it was uh, Thursday. And he said, so I'm a bit weary, I just don't know how I'm going to pull up, you know. So that's okay, Let, let's see what happens, just let me know. Bottom line is, his brother died Friday morning, Neville had been there all through the night Friday, he'd handed over, if you like, responsibility at 7.30 or something, at 8.30 his brother passed away. Neville got up on Sunday morning, he, he insisted on preaching anyway, his eldest son is named Chris, his brother was named Chris, that tells you something about how he looked up to this brother, but this brother wasn't a Christian that he knew of. He stood up and he shared a message and he, it was true that he was going away for a week to recalibrate his priorities with, it, with regard to his work, but what actually happened was God helped him to reprioritize his, his values when it comes to winning people to Christ. He stood up on Sunday morning and um, it was a tough morning because uh, he was sharing openly and he said, the thing that hurts me most is though I preached to my brother over many, many years, he never came to a place of making a decision. Um, and, and, and I'm here to say to you this morning, you know, there are people around you that are important to you and I understand that you think you love them but I question why you're not sharing Christ with them if you really love them. Now, I know, you, I know you may have been rejected many times. For me to become a Christian, the guy who lived over the road from us, who was, you know, much, much older than I, I was 16 at the time when I became a Christian, for two years he persisted in attempting to preach the gospel despite my ridicule, despite my irritation despite my resistance and he got me to a place where one moment when I was by myself at night I prayed and I said God if you're real I want you to come into my heart if you're not well you won't 
you know, it was, it was hardly a prayer full of faith. But in the moment that I prayed, God filled my heart and there was no doubt in my mind that God was real. It was a powerful, extraordinary experience. But I, I, I only got to that because that guy persisted over a period of two years of constantly the right way and the wrong way preaching the gospel to me. Neville, through many years, had preached to his brother and attempted in so many different ways to, to, to get him to, across the line, if you like. He was, he's got two brothers, one who is a Christian who is very, very rich, who lives a, an immoral life, and this other brother who isn't a Christian, who la- lived an extraordinarily moral life but never came to Christ, as far as Neville knew. There was some consolation after Neville talked to his sister-in-law, and they talked, about the, they talked about the funeral which Neville was to conduct the next week. And she said, Neville, these are the two songs I want played at the funeral. And as it turns out, they were songs that Neville had introduced his brother to. And she said, you know, he listened to these songs over and over and over again. They were Christian songs. And Neville, I mean, he was, he was crying when he told me, you know. He said, maybe, maybe he made a decision. I don't know. That's still that question. But I'm here to tell you there's a responsibility we all have to those that we love to share the gospel. And what should emanate from us is a message of God's love. Not of judgment, but of God's willingness to receive all mankind, whoever they are, wherever they're from, whatever they've done. And we ourselves are recipients of that love and and we ought to be those who are conduits of the same love. But the problem is we, we, we take what's preached, we take what's written and we apply it to our lives for our own benefit and too often the beneficiaries ought to be those around us rather than simply ourselves. I'm not saying we shouldn't be beneficiaries of, of what's written and, and you know, our lives and, the, and applying the biblical principles that we read about, it makes our life better and that's why Jesus died to, to, to give us life and life more abundantly. There's no doubt about that, but it ought not to stop with us. It ought to reverberate into the lives of those who are around about us, every single one. I know there are extroverts here and, and there are introverts For the extrovert, maybe it's a little easier to preach the gospel. Maybe it's a little easier to speak out. For the introvert, they're saying, well, I want to, but it's hard for me. I don't know what to say. Can I suggest to you that it's your life that ought to be speaking, not your mouth? Your ability to communicate Christ is through the through the way that you live your life out. You know, as a church, you've got a certain set of values, but the idea is that the building doesn't have those values. The people do. It's not the building that emanates the values, it's the people within the building that emanate the values. The church is us, it's you and I. It's, it's all of us living out the values that are, we find written in the Scriptures, that are Christ is espoused. And, and as we live out those values, people are affected and touched and changed. If you've got your Bible, turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, and I'll read some verses there for you. 
1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 8 to 10 from the New Living Translation says this, and Paul writing to this church, he says, Now the word of the Lord is ringing out from you to people everywhere, even beyond Macedonia and a... And a why don't they make these words easy to pronounce? Achaya. Thank you. Achaya. That's it. If it's wrong, blame Owen. For wherever we go, we find people telling us about your faith in God. This is Paul talking about the church or the people gathered in Thessalonica. We don't need to tell them about it, for they keep talking about the wonderful welcome you gave us and how you turned away from idols to serve the living and true God. They speak of how you were looking forward to the coming of God's Son from heaven, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. He is the one who has rescued us from the terrors of the coming judgment. I want to read to you some simple observations from these verses of Scripture. Number one is this. The word of the Lord was echoing out from the group gathered to other locations. I have a question for you. What echoes from the church starts in the life of the individual? What's echoing from your life? Maybe I've complicated that. The church in Thessalonica was echoing out a message. The church is not the building, it's the people. What echoes from the church is what echoes from the individual. In other words, what you are saying, what you are doing, gives this church a reputation, positively or negatively. What you say and what you do adds to the church's reputation or detracts from the church's reputation. That's not that important to me. What you say adds to Christ's reputation or it detracts from Christ's reputation. Of course, the church is his body, we know that. But let's, let's be clear that when we walk as Christians into our workplace, we are echoing something. And the values that we live by echo or reverberate into the lives of those around about us, whether we want them to or not, whether we speak about it or not, whether we, uh, whether we advertise it or not, there is something that is being echoed into the lives of those around about, those that we live with, those that we work with, those that we talk to. The question is, what is it that's being echoed out? What's the gossip that's coming from this church? said this before, but, you, you know, um, I'm against terrible and gossip. I, um, as a matter of fact, if I hear, it just makes me angry because it destroys people's character. It may be true, but it doesn't help. You know, it, it, it just doesn't help people saying bad things about other people. It says more about the person talking than it does about the person that's being talked about. But what should echo from this church is gossip about the good things that God is doing. You know, the testimony that Sheridan echoed earlier, that he spoke about earlier, it's a good news story. And it can echo out into the community and give hope to the hopeless. There are other people that would be in the same position as this, as this girl was, where she'd suffered chronic pain for such a long time. Hearing a a, a, a testimony of healing gives hope. 
And as we gossip about the good things that God is doing, not in an unusual way, but in an ordinary way, the reputation of the church and the reputation of Christ is increased and the possibility increases as somebody for the first time making another decision for Jesus Christ, meaning him as saviour rather than as judge. Is the word of Christ reverberating from this meeting into the community? And when we think about the word of Christ, it's not a word of judgment, it's a word of acceptance, love, and grace. The second point there is there were testimonies of faith. This comes from 1 Thessalonians, you can read it all later and see it. Testimonies are powerful only if they're shared, they're like books. A book on a shelf is useless if it's never read. A testimony only has power if it's shared with somebody. Now, it may be a great personal testimony, but if you don't share it with anybody, nobody knows what's the benefit apart from the person who received it. Uh, You know, there are some things you testify about and some things you don't. And the things you don't testify about, nobody knows. God gets no glory. It's, it's, It's like you discover treasure and you can't tell anyone, you can't spend it, you've just got it. And it's so, so frustrating. There are testimonies of faith that every single one of us have. The problem with the testimonies of faith we often have are they are tested by somebody's greater testimony. It's like stories. Your story is great until someone with a better story comes along. And too often we mistakenly compare stories when we should never compare. The testimony of faith that you have is powerful and it should be shared. Does it compare with somebody else's? It doesn't. It shouldn't be compared. It's not meant to be compared. What God does for you and in you and through you is, uh, is, is for you and God's done it for you and it should be shared with a sense of confidence. Don't, don't uh, downplay the thing that God has done in your life. Don't be discouraged because it's not as outstanding as the next person's. The other things that took place is there were testimonies of hospitality. Your generosity and your hospitality opens the door for your story. There are people that share testimonies but do so with a mean spirit and they wonder why their testimony has no impact. Let me tell you, when you act with generosity and in hospitality, your stories become uh, worth listening to. When you meet somebody and you exhibit generosity and hospitality, which are a part of God's character, they open the door for your story to be heard. When we talk about people who are being hard-hearted or difficult to win to Christ, uh, often what they just need is a dose of generosity or hospitality, and suddenly they become more receptive. We don't have to share our story the first time, but we can open the door through becoming more like Jesus Christ. Generosity and hospitality open the door for our testimony. Next point is there were testimonies of changed lives. We don't actually need to tell people our lives have changed if they've changed. Does that make sense? I was in Perth the other day and I caught up with a pastor. I'd seen him in uh, January And then I seen him in September, I think it was, whatever. Yeah, something like that. I said I'd meet him at this cafe. I'd only met him a few times before. And he walked into the cafe and I thought, I think that's him. 
He sat down with me and I said, uh, hi, Mark, how are you? He said, good. And I said, oh, you look different. He said, yeah, I've lost 15 kilos. Wow. Oh, wow. He didn't need to tell me that. I could tell he'd changed. <laughs> he had clearly changed. Yeah. Made me feel guilty, but anyway. <laughs> Too often we talk about change and there isn't any change. If you are changed... People will know that you've changed. And there's no embarrassment in changing. And and the idea of the Word of God taking uh, up residence in our hearts is that there would be an ongoing process of change that that would become sanctified, if you like. That we become more like Jesus Christ. And let me say, if we're becoming more like Jesus Christ, we become more loving, more hospitable, and more generous. Uh, There may be some more knowledge, but people care less about our knowledge and more about our openness of spirit. A testimony of a life changed opens the door for our story. Just saying we've changed is not enough because people know the truth. Isn't it interesting that people who are not Christians know better how Christians should behave than the very Christians themselves? They, they, They somehow instinctively understand how we're supposed to be. There are testimonies of passion and love for Christ. True love finds a way to sacrifice. I know it's not easy speaking to people about Jesus, but what you need to do is go out of your way. Actually pay the price necessary to demonstrate what Christ has done in you. Generosity and hospitality cost you. And if you're not paying a price, then it's no wonder that you don't get to share your story. Can I say this on the flip side? There are lots of people who share the story and are not generous and not hospitable and it's not surprising that their story is not received. We need to be not only recipients of God's love but conduits of God's love. There was an explanation of the result of the message. Too often I think the message is watered down. The message we have is one of Christ who loved us and still loves us, a God who forgives us and still forgives us. And, and, and often to soften the blow, what we do is we try, and, we try and change the story. We try and get them to church thinking that, oh, no, no, we just want you to come to church. You don't understand. People don't have an understanding of what church is really like. Their perception of the church, if they're not Christians, could be way out of whack. And so what we often do is, because we know that, we try and tell them what the church is really like, and they're thinking, no, it's not, no, it's not. My experience is this, you're telling me this. And we get off message. Our message is not church. Our message is Jesus Christ. And a God who loves us, a God who forgives us, a God who is full of grace, is is one who accepts us. And we need to stay on message. And I'm not suggesting they shouldn't be involved in the church. They can and will be involved in the church. And it'll be easier for them to swallow if they've also experienced Christ in the process. So I encourage you, get, keep clear on what the message is. You're not, not trying to market the church. You're trying to share the love of Jesus Christ. Finally, if I can say this, from these verses of Scripture, they were partnering together. In Hebrews 12, it speaks about the fact that there was a great cloud of witnesses. You know, it's, the picture is given of a stadium of people who'd passed on and what they're doing is they're cheering on the person in the arena. And can I say this? 
Every single one of us is in the arena, but at the same time, we need to be in the stands cheering one another on. Do you you know it's not easy necessarily to find people to continue to speak to, but you can do it. You can reach them. And if there's a simple phrase I want to leave with you today, it's simply this, reaching people one at a time. Just imagine if every day you woke up, you wrote it down, reaching people one at a time, and you just wrote the name of one person that particular day. Today, I'm going to reach out to whatever his name or her name is at work. And all I'm going to do, I'm not, I'm not going to go and give them the four spiritual laws, but I'm going to exhibit generosity. I'm going to go out of my way to be hospitable. I'm going to, I'm going to show the love of Christ in a way that is palatable and acceptable to them so that the possibility of the, um, the love of God that I've experienced would somehow be as unfiltered as possible, somehow find a place in their hearts as well. If every single one of us gave ourselves to this task, imagine what the outcome would be in this community. As a church, I want to commend you for what you do do in the community. I know uh, October is, is, is a month focused specifically on that. On the 16th of October, you're going to go out and demonstrate your generosity to the community around about you, and that's fantastic. But every single day is one of those opportunities as well. Whether you're a mum at home with kids, whether you're in a workplace, whether you're at school or university, maybe just your friends or your neighbours. I don't know who it is. It could be a family member. You have the opportunity of being a conduit of God's love to those people so that the, when the day comes for them and they stand before Christ, they can say they know him as their saviour rather than their judge. There's a world to win. And can I say there's no other way for them to be reconciled with God unless they receive Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour of their life. The consequences of not receiving him are too great for us to be idle. I want to challenge you today. Reach people one at a time, somehow, some way, in your unique way, and make a difference for them. Will you stand together with me this morning? Just a moment, I'm going to hand back to Sheridan, but I'd like to pray for you. Father, I thank you for the way you reached out to me through the people around me. The time when I was not willing to listen to you, Father, that neighbor of mine, John, he just kept talking. He persisted, annoyed me, but he persisted. He persisted until I came to a place where I gave talking to you a go. When I took that moment and I spoke to you that first time, and you responded. My life was changed. My prayer is for everyone here that we could team up, that we could partner together, that we could reach this community, that we could be like John and persist with demonstrating the love of Christ through generosity and hospitality, that we could 
gain the opportunity of sharing our testimonies of faith, exhibiting our passion, showing how our lives have changed so that we might present to those that we love so dearly the good news of Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would, even in this moment, that you would lay a burden on our hearts for even just one person for whom we will pray consistently and go out of our way to sacrifice to demonstrate your love. I pray for salvations, one after the other after the other, in homes, in schools, in workplaces, in the church, that people might find Christ for the very first time and know the reassurance that comes from facing up to you one day as our Saviour. Help us in our efforts, Father. You know us as, as failing individuals. Sinners saved by grace. Pray that as we work with one another, and as we work with you, that we'd see a great harvest of souls in this community. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Keep your eyes closed, your heads bowed for just a little longer. You know, you may be here today and you're not. Quite sure whether Jesus is your saviour or your judge. It is a black and white issue. He either is your saviour or he isn't your saviour. And the Bible tells us very clearly that if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, in other words, that he came, that he He's a son of God. He came, he died on a cross to pay the price for us to connect with God and then rose again. If we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, then he's our saviour. And this morning you may be here and that you may have never made that decision and I'd like to give you the opportunity just before we leave to do that. You could be here this morning and you've been walking with God at some point and you've stepped way back for whatever reason how about today you make the decision to step forward and step into relationship with Him again? It'll change your life. You're not saying that you're perfect. You're not saying that you've got it all together. You're saying that today I choose to connect with Jesus and go on a journey. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to lift your hand if you want to say yes to Him today. Nothing further will happen today, but I want to be able to acknowledge you. never said yes to Jesus, you've never started the journey or today you want to go again I'm going to ask you to lift your hand in just a moment if you need to respond to Jesus it's a high chance right now that your heart's probably just about pumping through your chest and your hands are sweating because that's often what happens is the Holy Spirit stirs us to respond to God saying, come on, you need to respond. He's saying, I want to know you as Saviour. Today, if you need to respond to Jesus while every eye is closed, can you give me a wave just so I can see your hand and I'll acknowledge you and we'll 
Karen. Thanks, I see your hand. That's great. I've seen two hands so far. I'll just wait a couple of minutes. I'm just looking across the building. Make sure I see your hand. If you Thanks, I see your hand. That's awesome. Thank you. I've seen four hands so far. couple more seconds. The Bible tells us that when one person gets their life right with God, the angels celebrate. Four people, that's a party in heaven. Come on, give them a big hand. That's great. Fantastic. We would love to help you in your journey, so please come afterwards, see myself or one of the leaders who will be around the front here. There will be a um, prayer team available at the, down here after the meeting, so if you need prayer for anything at all, you want someone to stand with you, please come, and, and uh, they'd love to stand with you today. Can we please give Pastor Wayne a hand? That was a great message. That was wherever, whenever, be like Jesus, in other words, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. It's what's on God's heart. Um, now, if you've got kids out in children's church, here's your take-home questions. This is what you can talk about over lunch. They'll come out armed, ready to ask it to you. If you could have lunch with any person who has ever lived, who would you choose and why? Good question. If you could have lunch with any person, who would you choose and why? Two other things we're going to do as we finish. Wayne's speaking again tonight, 6pm. We'd love to see you. We're going to receive an offering because uh, it is our value to bless every guest, speaker, ministry that we have with us. And we're going to do that this morning. So if you'd like to ready yourselves quickly, we're going to receive an offering to bless uh, and thank Pastor Wayne for being with us. As you leave, if you're visiting with us today, you're a guest today, just on your right, there's some tables there. There'll be someone there. And we'd love to give you some information about the church. Tell you where we are, who we are. You know where we are. You're here. Who we are, where we're going. And, um, and that would be really good. Thanks, team. If you could receive that offering now, that would be wonderful. And that's it. Be purposed in our giving. Thank you so much for your generosity. Have a great afternoon. See you this evening. Have a fantastic week. I declare God's favour over us as a church, over every person, that wherever we set our feet this week, we will be emanating something of the character of God to those around us. I thank you, Jesus, for giving us all areas of influence that we walk in. And I ask that you would stir our hearts and our minds that we would do you proud this week with uh, the way we conduct ourselves, representing the kingdom of God. Lord, if we make a mess of it, help us pick ourselves up quickly and go again, I pray, in Jesus' name. Let it be evident that your your blessing, your favour rest on your people in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, we're going to sing a song to finish. Thanks, guys. Chains are broken. You have spoken, it is finished on the cross. Now I'm living 